evening, good evening. Happy Wednesday to you all. A couple announcements as you're turning uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 3, but I have a blessed uh, a blessing here to do this evening, and that is uh, with baby dedication. We have an opportunity uh, to be able to do that, and anytime I can do that, it is absolutely a blessing. Um, but a couple of announcements real quick as we're settling in. Uh, get your new Calvary Chapel magazine. The magazine is out. It's a continuation of talking about the Jesus movement uh, and, a, and what took place across America. So grab that, read it, and then share it with others. Um, also coming up here in the month of August, we have two kind of a thing, key things on August 27th. Uh, we have that's a Sunday. We have the service, and following the service, instead of having the Father's Bakers, we go right into our annual uh, church picnic on August 27th. So from 11:30 to, to about 2:30, you bring something to share, and we have a big feast and a barbecue. We provide the meat kinds of stuff, but many times people bring their own meat and stuff and what they want to have and want to share among. But just a side dish mostly, and then we do our uh, baptism. But prior to the baptism, we do, uh, this year, we're doing something different. We're doing the children's ministry move-up day. So we're going to celebrate the, uh, the kids who are moving up to the next grades up. So we're going to recognize that, celebrate their achievement of continuing to grow and mature in their faith and, and, and physical as well. And they're going to be going. So we're going to have a little celebration with that, with the picnic. So it's a big family day. So, again, that's a good day to invite friends and family that um, are already, you know, maybe have another church or don't go to church at all to have them come and be part of that. So encourage that in your neighbors. So those are the two colored flyers out on the information desk uh, for you to make sure you take home and then take an extra so you can hand it to someone just to, to remind them. So with tonight, uh, before we get into 1 Samuel, I want to talk about uh, the dedication of Iris Lynn Dawes. Uh, the beautiful princess of uh, Kyle and Courtney Dawes. And, uh, and so we have had an opportunity to, they live in the south, we're praying them to the north, but uh, they're here visiting, so what a beautiful opportunity. They watch and a part of the family, church family, uh, online, so it's what a blessing. And Kyle was able, and Courtney dials in and at, at times, especially Kyle at Thursday nights with the men, so... It's just a blessing. But baby dedication, I think this is uh, one of those um, celebrations that I think can pass uh, too lightly or too quickly or seem to, in many eyes, maybe not as important. But it is extremely important. Yes, baptism is absolutely. Marriage is absolutely. Funerals, yes. I mean, these are things... But baby dedication is when we have a couple who says, this is a child we recognize God has given us. That child is a gift to us. He's entrusting us as parents to actually raise this his child up. Because Iris is really God's child. <laughs> he just, in God's wisdom, he thinks that Kyle and, and Courtney can handle it. But really, there's two folds in this. He brings a child into that couple's life to refine them, to draw them closer to the Lord and refine them as a couple, as an individual, as a male, as a female. And to teach them to raise this child up for that purpose that God sovereignly understands and knows. And, and it's very life-changing. But one of the key things in baby dedication is we find that parenting and rearing up a child, according to the scripture, is very, very difficult if you don't do it God's way. You will not have a godly outcome if you don't do it God's way. It just doesn't just happen like some people think. Just let the child go, whatever he does or he, she does. The Bible tells us and warns us, do not let a child go on their own ways. It always goes to darkness. You're always going to go to darkness. So you've got to be parents. The bumper, you have the bumper pads everywhere so they don't bump their head. Well, you have to do it scripturally too. You've got to have the bumpers out there and say, yeah, the, no, God's word says this. That's why we don't go that far over there. God's word, don't go here. You can fall down. You get really hurt that way. 
you have to instruct the child. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he, or in this case, she should go. And when she is old, she will not depart from it. That is a promise of God. Not how you feel as a parent at times. But that is a child of God. He said, if you pour into the, this child... You pour into Iris, you are going to see Iris eventually going to grow and mature to be this godly woman that we pray for, constantly for. We see two stages in the process of raising a godly child. First is the method of training up a child in the way she should go or he should go. And second is the result. And when he or she, Iris, is old, she will not depart from it. The concept here is it starts with dedication. The parents have decided with witnesses, we are committed regardless of how we feel, regardless of what the world tells us, regardless of all the challenges that are going to compete against this parents to raise her up according to the ways of God because the world is going against it. School systems are going against it. The government's going against it. Every, the world is going against raising your child up according to the ways of God. And that's not easy today. It's never been easy, but it's still not easy, especially today. But it starts with the dedication, a stewardship to properly take care of what God, which belongs to God. Iris belongs to God. Don't lose focus on that. All of us, remind, that is God's child. We only have he or she up to a certain age. And after that, it's they move on. They get married. They move on. They grow. They go do what God's called them to do. But in time, you're supposed to instruct them. Parents are to instruct and cause their children to learn everything essential to pleasing God. Everything. Everything you teach them. Reading, writing, arithmetic, how to behave, the behaviors, the heart issues, all these things has to be instructed. And the second thing is motivation. That means parents are to create a taste or a desire within that child so that he or she is eternally motivated. Internally motivated. Not just rather externally motivated or compelled to do what God wants him or her to do. As parents, we must seek the Lord to teach us how to internally, intrinsically desire the appetite, desire the taste to know godly things. And that's what you're constantly doing day in and day out. And so when you instruct, you motivate properly, then we see the fact that this child starts off being so dependent upon the parents. And you want that dependency there because God's trying to teach you as a, 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 a child to trust in a father and a motherly figure, yes. But ultimately, the parents are instructing her all the way from the very beginning. This is what God says. This is what God says. Well, Iris, we're going we're gonna to seek the Lord on that before we decide if you can go to the birthday party. Let's, let's see what the Lord's going to do on this. Everything has to, for her to understand. Mom and dad are always going to God first, then give instructions and directions and guidance. Are you with me? See, that's a dedication. Regardless of how they feel, they're dedicating this is a lifelong pursuit of raising her up. And when you do that, she will not depart the way, God's way. And it's a stage of development that parents and guardians are dedicated and instructed. Remember, child development is so important from birth, even in the womb. Eating properly, protecting and guiding and making sure a healthy womb and a healthy mother then brings that child rightly, as best it can, coming into the life. And then they start breathing on their own. Now you are guiding and developing because their early stages is all about child development. We say it all the time, but we don't really think that through of how important that is physically and mentally and spiritually. Developing that child to what? To think and, 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 and prepare to be a godly child. Kindness and gentleness and, and love and, 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 and all these things that's the fruit of the Spirit. We're, you're supposed to start right in the very beginning. To know who God is and to draw that attention, that, that eagerness, something that's within her. Such a young child cannot express it, but still God can speak to a child in the womb we see in the Scripture. And he can speak outside the womb. 
at the youngest of age. Do you believe that? Yes, a child can reject the training of a godly parent. But usually godly parenting results in godly adult offspring. That's what was very important as parents when you're like, are they going to get this? As long as you keep modeling it, as long as you keep teaching and keep loving and showing grace and discipline and correction and all the things according to the scripture so they can know that whatever they do, they want to please God. So when they're old, they're no longer, yes, economically dependent upon you as a parent. And yes, they have to move on and go to college or do other things that God is calling them to do. But that persistent, careful, loving, godly parenting produces godly children, adult children. That's the promise that we have. That's the commitment. That's by faith. And it's a beautiful thing when you watch them grow up and love the Lord. And live their lives and have families who live their lives for Christ. That's how God's designed it. Amen? So I'm going to have Kyle and Courtney and Iris Lind come up. We're going to pray for, for them. Because remember, it's, it's more for them. <laughs> she gets to be the showcase. She's the princess. But it's really for the two of them. As, as, as our brothers and sisters, we are praying for the two of them to, to be committed to God. Hi. How are you? Do you want something to hold? This is for you. Would you like to hold that? I'll have you come closer here to me so we, we'll see how close she can get. You're going to color too? Do I get to hug? Do I get a hug? Let a hug? Oh, perfect. There. And let, get your book. Get your book. There we go. Did you need this? Oh, you want mommy to hold that? Okay, we'll just hold this right here. You want to pray? You want to pray? Let's pray for mommy and daddy, okay? Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing Iris here this evening. Iris Lynn. And bringing her, her mommy and daddy here. And with, obviously, with grandma, grandpa, too. Papa, right? And we pray for this family, Lord. We pray for your blessing and your grace upon all of them. You keep them healthy, Lord. You brought them all three through tests of physical tests. I'm sure mental tests and spiritual tests. And Lord, you are so faithful and you're so wonderfully in your love and your grace. And we thank you for Iris for bringing her tonight so that she can be recognized that she, God loves her so much and she loves mommy and daddy so much. And we ask you, Lord, for give them both wisdom to raise Iris up to be this godly, beautiful woman and that it be pleasing to you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. 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 Thank you, sweetheart. She did good. We were sure. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for coming. What a blessing. Oh, there we go. What a blessing to have an opportunity to ask for God to just bless this moment. Because, um, again, we want, as, as family, right, as a church body, we want to pour into everybody at the different stages of their life, right? We want to pray for the little ones, but we want to pray for the older ones <laughs> at every stage in between. Because all those stages changes for us, doesn't it? We all need prayer at each stage of our life. And the, the uncertainties at times, the certainties at times, the changes at times... We all need the body of Christ to come along around us and support us during these time changes. And this is just one of the, the celebrations for sure. With that said, we're at the top of the hour. Let's open up the first Samuel chapter three and let us do chapter three tonight of first Samuel. Father, we thank you again. We open up your word this evening as we just, again, thank you for your grace and your mercy upon our lives. And as we open up your word, Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way in the hearts of the listeners tonight. God, we know you will speak. You love to speak to your children. You love to speak to us your truth, to guide us with your word, 
to instruct us with your word, to correct us with your word, to encourage us with your word. And it's not only just for us, but Lord, you give us a word to actually for us to then share with others in the body of Christ. And especially to share the gospel to those who are lost. As we open up your word, Lord, speak to us as we learn of a young boy that you spoke to him so many years ago. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God speaks. And God will speak. This is not a question if, it's only when. The biggest question is, are you listening? Because God can speak, but if you're not listening, we're in trouble. Because God has things to want to share with us and help us and guide us. We see here in 1 Samuel, Samuel is, is, is not, at first we will see, why isn't young boy Samuel getting it? Why isn't Eli getting it? But we will see as we go through here, the, we're just like Samuel and we're just like Eli at times in our life. Amen? Then the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. So we see here right off in the very first verse of chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. Here's the third time it is emphasized to Samuel in what he was doing for the Lord. He was ministering to the Lord. He was busy about doing things that the Lord needed to have done for God's people. He was a young boy. He started, we don't know how young, that, that Hannah, his mother, dropped him off as a baby Nazarite growing up. We don't know exactly how old he is, but Josephus, who's the historian, said he was about 12 years of age at this point. The age of accountability is what I believe in that puberty time of change of a young man. But we see here, even though we don't know the age, it's not important. We just know that he's a boy, he's not an infant. We also know he's not a boy, he's a boy, he's not an adult. So a boy age, he's not hitting adult age yet, which is, again, that age there right at the peak, right there before 12, right before puberty maybe. But here's the third time we see it before where he see Samuel ministering to the Lord. He wasn't being ministered to. He was actually ministering to the Lord. There is a difference between that. You can always go out and do things uh, and look for things to be done to you, to be ministered to, ministered to. But are you ministering to the Lord? And when you're in that mode of ministering to the Lord, to please Him, to be obedient, and to do the things that pleases Him, we find that's when God speaks. He speaks to you and when you're doing things for God and ministering to His heart. Not so much maybe physical things like, oh, I, I vacuumed here, or I cleaned the bathrooms here, and, and I served this and did this. No, no. I'm talking ministry, sitting down and worshiping Him, sitting down and praying, and sitting down and, and, and reading the Word of God and meditating on the Word of ministering to Him. It's just, just you and Him is what we're talking about here. The question is, is, do you be still and are you ministering to the Lord every day? Do you find your quiet time ministering to the Lord? Are you always looking for tasks to do for the Lord? No, no. Are you ministering to the Lord? So we see here in 2 Samuel 11, uh, chapter 2, verses 11 and ch chapter 2, verse 18, where we see Samuel was ministering to the Lord just as Aaron and his sons did as their consecration as priests. They were ministering to the Lord, just like Paul and Barnabas did before they were sent out as missionaries in Acts 13, 1, 2. They were ministering to the Lord before and preparing their hearts, serving and worshiping God before they were sent out to do what God's called them to do. But we see that when he was ministering to the Lord before Eli, meaning he was supporting Eli. Eli was a high priest, so he was supporting that work in the tabernacle there. He says, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, meaning the Lord was quite silent in those days. 
Why? Because the whole nation of Israel had abandoned God. They were doing what was right in their own eyes, remember, in the book of Judges. This is during the judges going into the kings. It's that transition period. This we find being Samuel, the, really the last prophet. He's the really the prophet between the judges and the prophet kind of transition here is going to be used by Samuel. Or God's going to use Samuel to do that. But when we take a look at these, the Lord was rare, meaning he wasn't communicating to them. But we do know in 1 Samuel, the first two chapters of 1 Samuel, when God was showing up and, and his word was even going out, it was always a word of judgment brought upon man. Now, if God's going to speak to you, and he was, you, you don't want to always just because he's going to you know, thump you and, and judge you here. No, no. He, you want him to be guiding your life and encouraging you and, and strengthening you and do other things too. But he, because they were rebellious and because they were turning against God, they ended up being more of words of judgment every time God spoke in those first two chapters of here for Samuel. But he didn't speak often, it says. It was rare. He didn't, it's not like he didn't speak at all, but he was speaking rare because there was, there was no widespread revelation. God's word was not being revealed out to the people and, and they're hearing from God through the word of God. It wasn't happening. And that can happen in our own lives. It can happen in a church. The church is just a mechanism, just going through the routines and things. The, the, the revelation, the, the word of God is not being revealed by the power of the Holy Spirit to the people. They're, they're going to dry up. You're going to dry up in that church. That's why we want the Holy Spirit to move. We want, we want to have ears to listen to what God has to. That's why we study the word of God. When you walk away from the word of God and you don't want to hear from the word of God, you're suppressing, you're grieving the spirit of God. And it's going to be rare that you hear God moving in your life, in the church, in your own life. It's so important that it starts with our own lives, right? We want to be ministering to the Lord. We want to be sitting at His feet. We want to worship Him in song. Yes, worship Him in prayer. Worship Him as, as we meditate on His Word day and night, the Bible says. And as you're ministering to the Lord, He then reveals through His Word and speaks to you and I. Individually, but also as a church body. We find that the Word of the Lord was rare, yes, because of the hardness of the heart among the people of Israel and the corruption, <laughs> and the corruption that was happening in the priesthood. Eli's, Eli wasn't doing it right, and his sons were definitely not. They didn't even know. Even anything. They, were just, they were just put in the positions in that religious setting because of their father was a high priest. And they were becoming the priestly, going to be high priests. They were just going to naturally walk in, even though they had nothing to do with God. They were doing everything against God. They were sleeping with women at the temple. And because of this, because of their hard hearts, because of the corruption within the church, God speaks. And he said yes to Eli. He sent a man, a man of God, to that, we don't know who this man of God was. He sent him to Eli and said, because of this, both your sons are going to die the same day. And your family is going to be wiped away as being the high priest that God started in the lineage. You're going to be removed. Anyone who's at old will not even make it to an old age. They're not even going to live long. All of that was given to him in chapter 2. Speaking to believers in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Are we opening up our lives to, to God? Are, you allowing, are we allowing him to come and have that intimate meal that's time spent partaking of what the Lord has for you? Do you do it with him? Do you hear his voice? Do you open up your lives to him? Because he says, I'm right there. I'll, if you just open up the door, I'll come in, dine with you, <laughs> have a meal with you. I'm going to give you the word of God for you to, to, to feast upon. And it's good, and it's right, and it's praiseworthy. But the question isn't whether Jesus speaks to you. 
The questions are, are we listening to Jesus? God speaks, no question. Psalm 29 tells us his voice is so powerful that it moves mountains, clears forests. The question is, is God's people tuning in? There's a radio, (laughs) and it's on. But if you don't tune in and you're not listening, you're not going to hear. Are you able to perceive? Are you able to receive the word of God that God speaks constantly? He's constantly putting the waves out. The question, are you tuning in? The waves are always there. He's always ready to talk. Are you tuning in to hear from him? Verse 2, we see God speaks to whom? Who's going to speak to? It says, verse 2, And it came to pass at that time when Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. So we find that Eli is at the end of his age, at the end of his life. He's so weak, he's having to lay down all the time. It looks like the cataracts took over. He couldn't see. He's gone dim. (laughs) He can't see. He lost his eyesight. They're worn out. No surgery and changing and put the lenses in there to take care of those little cataracts, you know. And then we find that he could not see, meaning he was just listening, but he could not go and do anything. He was not being able to lead as well physically, but also spiritually. He was not there to engage as the high priest, even though he's high priest. And his kids were all, his two sons, I should say, were just wild, vile, perverted, wicked. Serving God, supposedly. Now, they were serving themselves in a position of what they would perceive outwardly as serving God. But we see that to whom God speaks, he's here we see the professional priest name, high priest name Eli. And he may have had the most experience in that in Israel spiritually, but he could not hear God's voice. God bypassed him and spoke to a child, we will see. Jesus said, As surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Luke 18, 17. Sometimes when you grow up, even in religious circles, you get to a point where you're not any longer excited like a child to receive and to hear and receive and, and find joy. Oh, we get to go to church. We get to hear from God. Oh, we get to play with our friends, our, our, our brothers. We get to play with my friends and get to spend time with them and have a meal. Day. So many adults stop having the joy of doing the things that God said is good for you. Do we have to go to church? Do we really have to do this? Do we really do this? This is really getting in my way because I got other things we need to do, you know. That's where people go. At one point, we were so excited about being in God's, God's house. It was, a, it was great to be around God's people. It was great to be in the Word of God. Now it's inconvenient and very time-consuming, and it's really disrupting what I really want to go do. Hello? I know it doesn't speak to any of you here, I'm sure, because you're here. But those who chose not to have that childlike heart, their hearts grow hard. And when they do, they will not hear the word of God. They start going, you know, I haven't heard from the word. I'm really not getting anything out of the word. I really feel kind of dry. I feel like he's a little distant. Those signs are telling you that you need to go back to ministering the Lord. You need to get back to his sitting at his feet and just opening the word and just finding the joy to be around, about just spending time with him and around God's people and to hear the word of God spoken. You've got to go back to your first love. You're intimate one-on-one, allowing God to use God's people in your life. And you do, you'd be used in other, people, in other people's lives. But what happens, unfortunately, people get older and they think they're more wise and busy, 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 and more knowledge, and they begin to look down on hearing the voice of God. I've heard that before. I've read that before. I've been there. I can quote it to you. I don't need to hear that. Matter of fact, I'm bored with listening to you. I'm going to go heap up a bunch of, bunch of teachers and find who tickles my ear and makes it more exciting. Because you're trying to get an experience because you're dying. 
You're drying up. And so people go out and find all these interesting, entertaining kinds of teachers to kind of find something new to try to get them somewhat excited back because they recognize, as a child of God, they're drying up. And so you're always looking for something like music or some interesting twist of some teacher who wrote us some twist of book to try to get you back somewhat energized, as they say. So when did God speak? We see in verse 3, And before the, the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of the God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. So we're seeing that it's sundown, they're going to sleep, they're lying down before the lamp of God went out. Remember the tabernacle and the lamps and they had to keep the part of the keeping the lamps going and lit and stuff. But we see that Samuel is already lying down. He's ready to go to sleep, but he's not asleep completely, it appears. And the Lord called Samuel and he heard him call. And his response immediately was, here I am. Why is that? Well, because somewhere in the middle of the night before dawn, because before he's waking up here, we see that this moment when he heard something, he immediately thought it was Eli calling him. Because remember, Eli couldn't get out of bed. He couldn't see, so he had to rely completely on Samuel and others to take care of him, and he might need to, he, he needed help. That makes total sense, right? Because remember, at this point, we will see in the scripture, Samuel didn't know the Lord yet. He had not developed maturity-wise at that age of a 12 or younger, had not yet learned what it means to hear God speaking to him. So he didn't even think the first thing, oh, wow, that's the Lord speaking to me. I've been hearing him, his voice for five years since my young age. No, he literally didn't know what it meant to hear from the Lord. And what it meant to hear his word, God's word, all he did is lean on his own understanding and go, oh, that must be Eli. Common sense. So we find here, as he's lying down there, we don't know again how old Samuel was, but the ancient Jewish historian Josephus thinks he's about 12. However, God speaks to young boys and young girls. See how important it is why we teach our kids young the word of God? Because God speaks to even young children through his word. And he responded, I am, I am, here I am. But he really thought it was truly was, in thinking it was, it was Eli really communicating. But this is a beautiful way to respond to God's word, isn't it? A simple here I am. <laughs> we don't have to start babbling along to God. You can just literally sit there and be still and say, here I am. Can you find yourself in your nice little chair in your house and you're sitting there and you're saying, God, here I am. I'm, I just, I'm, I'm open and ready to hear from you. Here I am. It isn't that God doesn't not know where we are. He knows exactly where we are. Still sitting and sleeping in your bed as a sluggard. No, I'm kidding. But it just reminds us that God simply wants us to simply come before him as servants, asking what he wants us to do. Here I am. What do you want us to do? Samuel is among several. If you, if you do your searches, you'll find the statement from someone who says, here I am to the Lord. It started with Abraham in Genesis 22.1. Jacob is the next example where he says, here I am. We see that in Genesis 46 too. We see Moses also, here I am, in Exodus 3, 4. Isaiah says it in, in Isaiah 6, 8. And Ananias also says, here I am, in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Here are leaders of God. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Isaiah, Ananias... All their, they, these are men who love the Lord and who knew what it means to just be still and say, here I am. I want to be like that. Do you want to be like that? Where you can simply sit and say, 
here I am. Here I am, Lord, I'm open. Because we, we see God speaks when one like Samuel, who was ministering to the Lord, when God spoke to him, Samuel was engaged in ministering to the Lord. He was not some sluggard. He wasn't just kind of doing life and doing whatever he wants to do and, and had little that he wanted to do. No, no. He was ministering to the Lord. He was actually focused on the Lord, even though he had not developed as a young man yet of the full understanding of God. Verse 5. So he ran to Eli, here we are, he thinks it's Eli talking to him, and says, here I am, for you called me. Right? That's very clear, you called me. And he said, no, I did not call you. Lie down again. Go back to sleep, Samuel. Why are you bothering me here? And he went and lay down. And then the Lord called yet again. Here's the second time. Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. What? Nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. What? Remember, we just talked about the Lord hadn't been showing up. He hadn't been showing revelation. He hasn't been revealing himself through, by his word. It had probably been very quiet to Eli. Why? Because Eli was not doing what God called him to do. And so God was really quiet to him. And what happens, verse 8? And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. Then he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. So he's, now he's persistent. You did call me. You keep telling me I didn't, but you I'm telling you, you called me. Third time. Then he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived. Ah, now Eli's getting a clue. He perceived that the Lord had called the boy. You would think it would have, as a high priest, a very godly man, leading the nation of Israel. He was going into the Holy of Holies. You think this man got his life all together because of the position he's in. We put sometimes people in high, on, on pedestals. And they treated the high priest like he's on a pedestal. But he was not on the pedestal. He might have been in the position, but he certainly did not have the relationship. So what happened? He finally perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if. Ooh, what, what do you mean, if? If he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. <laughs> Oh, Samuel was a very obedient boy. Did you get that trait? He got each trait. He was, he was a servant, a boy who was a, who was a servant, who willing to get out of bed and go take care of this old man who he obviously looked up to. He was a high priest. He was taking care of him. And every time he said, go back, no, he went, immediately went back, laid down. So all these traits we see, godly traits in Samuel being developed in him at a very young age, can we not? But we see that he was obedient and he was wrong in thinking that Eli spoke to him, but he was right in what he did. Samuel came to Eli quickly because he knew Eli was blind, he might need help. He just, who else was there? He did not know that God spoke that way because God wasn't speaking that way. He had never spoken to Samuel like this personally. He just heard in his, audibly or in his mind, he heard his name. And the Lord called just again, yet again, he's persistent to get Samuel's attention. Even if he didn't get it the first time, he's going to come back and say your name again and give you your attention again. And if you still don't think it's God speaking to you, he's going to bring and come back again with his word and call your name again until you understand that it's God who is talking to you. 
See, God almost always confirms. When he's speaking to us, he always confirms his word again and again and again. It's generally wrong to do something dramatic in response to a single inner voice from the Lord. Oh, I think the Lord was speaking to me in my mind and I'm going to dramatically make a change in my life. He's always going to confirm by his word. If God speaks, he will confirm. And he also, oftentimes he'll confirm in various ways, but he's going to confirm what he's trying to speak to you about. But because Samuel did not know the Lord really intimate yet, he was an obedient boy. He was a serving boy to, to take care of those around him. And he was obedient to the task at hand. Yet he had not given his heart to the Lord yet. Even children raised in a godly home must be converted or born again by the Spirit of God to be able to have that, that second birth. So as a parent, that's why we had the baby dedication so beautiful tonight, is the fact that they're going to pour into this little girl, Iris, and so she can grow up at some point. She's being raised in a godly home, but she cannot be saved because of her godly parents in regards to when she gets to that age of accountability, one, she's going to, she needs to dedicate her life to Christ. To be born again, to be converted, to be changed by the Spirit and be sealed by the Spirit to God. But here, when finally Eli gets a clue, he finally tells him, go lay down, because uh, God, I believe, is speaking to you. And he gave wise counsel to Samuel at this moment. Notice here, he says to go lie down. Be still, Samuel. Be still, make yourself available for God to speak to you. Sometimes, well, I, I, I got to go do things for God. I got to go do, 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 do. So then maybe God will speak. No, no. My brother says, you've got to be still first. You've got to be minister to, minister to the Lord. Be still so that God can, you're so quieted in the distractions so you can hear what God wants to say to you. You must then he says, if he calls you, he's not being presumptuous about God speaking, but there's that assurance. He's already did it three times. He's coming to the fourth time. He's going to speak to him, right? And he says to him, when he does say something, just say, speak, Lord. He wants respond to the word of God. When he says something to you, you need to respond to it. Don't ignore it. And just humbly yourself, humble yourself before the Lord and his word and just say, your servant hears. It's a humbled position and a place to be for you to hear. We must hear from God. The preacher may speak. <laughs> the pastor may always keep rambling on forever and ever. Your parents can do a lot of talking. And go on and on and on. Your friends may speak a lot. You might be in the teachers may be speaking a lot. You may be listening to even TV and radio that does a lot of talking. And that's all fine. I'm sure it's all godly and all good. But their voices mean nothing from an eternity unless God speaks through them. And you're listening. So where did God speak here? We see it now in verse 10. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, right? Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. He did exactly what Eli counseled him to do. He listened to counsel. It seems to have been this audible here, right? Because it says, now he, the Lord came. He came, presence, and stood. That means he's in a really good presence. And he called as other times. You can just picture the Lord just coming up alongside his beds as Samuel. Samuel. In the quietness of the night, the quietness of the morning, he'll call your name. 
our response is speak. Your servant hears. I want to hear from you, Lord, this morning, this at nighttime in quietness. There's no busyness, it's quiet, it's stillness to be still. And I just want to hear. Do you want to hear? It appears a possible Christophany moment here. Jesus in the flesh, before that Bethlehem moment, he see a few times in the scriptures in the Old Testament, it appears this unique appearing of the Lord came to young man Samuel. What a beautiful preparation for him to do great things for God. Verse 11. But why did God speak to Samuel here? He answers the question here in these verses 11 through 14. And then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tickle or tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned. For by sacrifice or offering forever. No sacrifice, no offering, no pleading, no crying, no groveling, no working hard, doing whatever. Is going to take and pay for the penalty of that sin. There's no atonement. No covering for that sin of his and his and his sons. So we see that both ears of everyone, this is not this is not gonna pass. This is like absolutely gonna ring in both your ears. Everyone's going to hear the tingle. It is God will give this young Samuel striking news to him. I mean, this is really bold. You're hearing from God for the first time. You're laying in your bed. You're a young boy and God's just standing right there in your presence and he's saying to you, Samuel, Samuel, and then lays out this heavy thing. Wait a minute. I'm, o- I- I'm only a-, a boy and you want me to do what, God? To tell the high priest, Eli, I respect so much and I've been taking care of since I've been a young boy, young child, and you want me to tell him what? Yes. God will call young men and young women to do hard things in life. To do hard things. What God's called them to do. But we see that this is hard news for for Samuel to tell this news. But notice here, it's very striking news to Samuel, but it's not new news for Eli because he was already told by the man of God. It's, that means that time has passed and it's just now into fruition. Sometimes we think, well, nothing happened here. I got away with this sin. I got away with this. I got away with this. I got away by the grace of God and the mercies of God. But here, God already told Eli, no, you're not getting past this. I've committed justice, what is right, and judgment, and that is your house is your lineage of being a high priest and everyone after you and your two sons are gone. Everyone in your whole entire family lineage is going to be dying early, not going to have anything, going to be poor, you're going to be groveling for food and anything doesn't even survive. But where else in the scripture do we see in the Old Testament, of the tingling of the ears are signs of especially severe judgment. We will see that in 2 Kings 21.12 and Jeremiah 19.3. So when your ears are tingling, <laughs> here in the Old Testament, it meant severe judgment is coming upon. But he says to, to Samuel, I've told him that I will judge his house Through the word of the man of God, back in verse 27 through 36 of chapter 2, he sent this man, this godly man, to tell Eli the judgment that's going to come. And the word now is now coming to young Samuel to do his first act as a prophet. Notice that. At a young age, he's now taking the steps of being trained up by God to do hard things. And the first thing he has to do is to tell Eli, the one he respects, the one in his position of authority, who's like a dad to him, is now being the one that's coming with a word to confirm. Not new news, but to confirm 
what the previous message God has been speaking to Eli about. Eli knew of his iniquity. Why? Because he observed what was taking place with his two sons. He knew what was going on. The people were in the, in the church were chattering. In the tabernacle, they were chattering of all the things that were wickedness that was going on. He heard all the, the wicked things were going on in the assembly. He did nothing about it. There are his boys. It's family. Let it pass. I'm about to die. They need a job. <laughs> you know... They need a job. Let them, that's, that's all they know. It's, it's what we do. It's, it's part of our lineage. You're always going to be a high, high priest, a high priest, a high priest. This is, I don't, you know, that's God's called. Started with Aaron. But God said, no, it's not. Your wickedness has caused you to lose the blessing of God. So he did not restrain them. That means Eli's responsibility to restrain his sons was not only, uh, not only or even mainly because they were father. He was a father figure. He should have restrained his kids when he was reining them up and disciplining them, and he did not. But these two boys were now men. He's no longer the father so much as he's now their boss as a high priest. And even as a boss, he did not rule them and discipline them and do things rightly. Eli's indulgence to his young sons, not disciplining and let them have free reign and live however they want to. Now as a boss, he's still pampering these two boys. And it costs them their lives. To a point where Eli's house shall not be atoned by any sacrifice, by any offering forever. The judgment is sealed. That's what it means. A terrible judgment. It's too late. No repentance. I told you way back in the beginning, repent, 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 repent. How long do you think God keeps telling you to repent? You don't repent where there's not going to be. Okay, it's too late. It's done. Judgment sealed. See, the scripture says you can, you can, he'll turn your heart over to the, the perversion. He'll just it's turn it over because that's what you want so badly to go against God. He turns you that, that heart over to, and it's sealed. There is no salvation available now. That is heavy. Heavy. Why? Because we see the man of God was warning them. Inviting repentance. But again, no repentance. God speaks and confirmed through a, God, a man of God, through the word of God, the judgment will come, all these things. No repentance, no repentance, no change, no change. Do we ever come to a place where our sin cannot be atoned by a sacrifice or offering forever? Only if we reject the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. That's the unpardonable sin. The rejection of Jesus and what he did. It's a full atonement, the payment, the propitiation for our sins. If you reject him, you're rejecting the only way to be saved. Hebrews 10.26 says, if we reject the work of Jesus for, for us, it says, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. If you reject Jesus, there's no, there remains no sacrifice for sins. It's sealed. It's done. No atonement. Verse 15, so Samuel laid down until morning, opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was right back to work. He's, he's, he's now opening the doors and getting ready. The tabernacle, the people are going to be coming to come in and, and to, to sacrifice. The whole ritual, the routine of what's going to happen. He opens up the doors. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. 
God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Oh, he threatened that boy. You don't tell me everything. I pray and I'm asking God to bring judgment upon you in like manner. Oh my gosh. Eli, do you know what you're saying? Eli, you can picture Eli going, sitting there going, I haven't heard from God in so long and God is speaking to this boy. You, I want to know what he's saying. Verse 18, then Samuel told him everything. And he, he's such an obedient boy. <laughs> he was obedient. I don't want to judge you coming upon me because I know what the judgment's coming upon you. I don't want that to come on me. He, he was going to, I'm going to tell you everything. So then Samuel told him everything and he hid nothing from him. And he said, it is, he said, this in this case, Eli, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. <laughs> That's a heavy. It's not like he hadn't heard it before. So can you imagine Samuel, he couldn't sleep. He's laying in that bed. He couldn't sleep. He was just waiting to get up in the morning, go start his, his routine at the, at the tabernacle, open up the doors, let the people start coming, and get into the routine of things of that day at the church. But we see this young Samuel laying on his bed, his ears tingling right, at the message from God, wondering how he could ever tell Eli such a powerful word of judgment. Lord, you're asking me to be the one to do this? So he was getting up. Let me just go get the doors open. It's like a little Tom moment, right? Tom, I'm going to unlock the doors of the church, get everything ready because people are coming. (laughs) Uh, But he told them everything. See, Eli had an idea. Something was up. God was speaking to this young Samuel. There was something up. He took everything. You better tell me everything. I'm glad Eli was not scared. I'm glad Eli didn't say, don't tell me nothing. Maybe it would just pass by. Let's ignore it. Like he had been. No, no, he's not going to ignore it. It's too significant. That God wanted to really tell young Samuel something. And Eli was like, tell me what's going on. Do you, are you going to be the high, new high priest? I mean, I got, you're sitting here meditating on this. It's like, what did, what did, Sam, what did Eli actually was thinking? What God was going to tell young Samuel. We don't know, but he found out very quickly, did he not? But Eli's response was godly. He, wasn't, he didn't ignore it. He didn't say, I don't believe this. I don't, tell God, tell, go back and tell him, That's it. Don't, don't do it. No, 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 no. I don't deserve it. No, 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 no. It, give me one more chance. No, no. He said what seems good to God, and that's what God says. So be it. Verse 19. So Samuel grew. And the Lord, that means there's time, right? So Samuel grew. There, there was some time taking place here. Didn't happen immediately. And the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Oh, no, nothing. It was always right there. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. When did he get established as a prophet? At a very boy age. A calling upon his life. That's why that age of accountability, that... At that age, that puberty time frame, you're just coming into boyhood and there's a calling in your life. Yep. And what happens? Everyone heard he was going to be established by God, the prophet of the Lord. I mean, this is amazing, isn't it? The Lord was with him. You, you and I can know that God is with, him, with us. You can know. If God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. So that means all of Samuel's prophecies came to pass. Let none of his words fall to the ground. Everything he's about to talk is from me and it's going to have power. It's going to have life changing. Why? Because God is now revealing revelation by God's word through the prophet of Samuel. Bringing life back into the nation of Israel. Remember, since the days of Moses, this means 400 years before the time of Samuel. There were not prophets in Israel. There were judges, but not prophets. 
There was no great prophets. There was no minor prophets that we start reading about. There was no prophets. He's the first one to start. Finally, God using man to communicate God's revelation. It's an incredible, interesting time in Israel's history. But Samuel is rightly seen as God's last judge and first prophet is Samuel. Make that note in your, your little journal. Samuel bridges the gap between those two times. Before the monarchy of with prophets, you know, Nathan or yeah, Nathan, Elijah, and Isaiah, all these people God will be raising up to influence the nation. And when he talks about here in these verses, verse 20, for all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, what that language means, it's like saying uh, north to, from north to south uh, California, or from north to south of New Jersey, or from New York to, 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 to California. It's just a span of the, all of the nation knew and heard from north to south. Verse 21, then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. So he comes and again appears again. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Oh, beautiful, isn't it? When did the Lord first appear in Shiloh? If you look at this, we know he appeared to Samuel here in 310. Now in some undescribed way, God appeared again to him in this moment. Here in whatever that time width or band is between those two verses of 10 to 21, God shows up again by the word of the Lord. See, God reveals himself by his word. And if you want God to reveal himself to you, you must be in his word. And whenever God is moving, he will reveal himself how? By the word of the Lord. That is how God speaks to you. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you.